When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. The forecast is brought to you by Callaway. Learn more about how to up your game at callawaygolf.ca. Welcome to The Forecast. I'm Post Media National Golf Writer John McCarthy here with Toronto Sun Golf Writer Dave Hilson. How you doing, John? I'm great. This episode, we're going to talk a bit about Brooks versus Rory, who should have won Player of the Year. We have a little differing opinion on that. We're going to look at the new PGA Tour season, which kicked off last week at the Greenbrier. And later on, we're going to have a, we have an interview with Chloe Garner, the 2019 Women's Long Drive Champion. She is in South Africa and will be joining us by phone. But right off the top, Dave, we are the biggest talk in uh, golf recently has been the player of the year a bit of a surprise a lot of people thought Kepka was gonna gonna win the award and then the players voted and Rory McIlroy is the player of the year so I know that you uh you don't disagree necessarily with that and uh, talk a bit about uh, Rory McIlroy okay well first of all I think this one could have gone either way I'm a little bit surprised that Rory won because Brooks had such a great year but Rory had a great year too 14 top 10s. So that shows a consistency that, you know, is very hard to uh, reach. So 14 top 10s, three victories, won the Canadian Open, won the uh, Tour Championship, season-ending Tour Championship, the other the players. Um, you want got to wonder if that plays into things a little bit, the players picking him, because the Players' Championship, as you have mentioned in the past, is yeah. the fifth major the the uh, the unofficial fl- f- fifth major and it is it's the flagship event of the PGA Tour and I mean I've covered a few and every time I go I ask people I ask them about how they prepare and they to a man they all say they prepare like it's a major yeah so for Rory to win and he also led the tour in scoring average and in strokes gained overall so those are two very impressive stats the three wins the fourteen top tens it's a fantastic year by any measure. Now, was Brooke better? I would say yes. And, and for me, I mean, I, I do think there's a bit too much, um, probably too much emphasis on the four majors nowadays. It's gotten more and more to the point almost where it seems like it's all that matters is if you win a major or not. Um, but the fact is, Brooks Kepka, Kepka had four top four finishes. He had a first at the PGA Championship, two seconds and a fourth. That's an incredible major championship season. And he also had three wins and uh, he won one more money. Um, but when I look at it, it's, it's not just that, uh, how great Brooks major championship season was. It's, it's how sort of bad Rory performed at the majors. He didn't contend. I mean, his results looked okay in a, in, in a couple of them. He had obviously he had the missed cut at the open championship, which is, you know, maybe one of the biggest tournaments of his life, but he didn't contend in any of them. He wasn't in it on Sunday. He, uh, 
at the Masters, which we all know is the one he needs for the career Grand Slam. It's the one he probably most dearly wants to win. He opened up with two rounds in the 70s. So it's it's not if you sort of compare how great Brooks did and then how poorly uh, Rory did in the majors. To me, it's got to be Kepka. And people say, would you know, obviously would Brooks switch years with Rory? And they say no. And would Rory switch years with Brooks? A lot of people think he would. I'm not so sure he would. I think Rory seems very happy with the year he had and the sort of new philosophy he has. And a, a PGA champ- championship is great, but I. I actually think he might he might be more uh, likely to switch years with Tiger Woods because it would give him that Masters that he's looking for. Yeah, I'd like that for sure. But would he really want to give up that Canadian Open win? I mean, that's a big <laughs> deal too. So, but I agree with you about the ma- the uh, majors and the way that uh, Rory folded in uh, at Royal Portrush in probably the most important major of his life, his home course, more or less, the Open Championship. That's a big strike against him, I think. It is certainly going to be interesting to see what Rory does in the uh, next year at the majors because so he has this sort of a new philosophy. He's been reading a lot of books and he's been sort of trying not to take his golf home with him, trying to be a more well-balanced person. And, and it seems to be it's working in every aspect of his life and his golf except for the majors. And he, he did recently say that he has to reassess how he uh, approaches majors. Like for this year, he wanted to just treat them like a regular week, but he's realized that that they aren't a regular week. So I think it's a long time between now and the Masters, and uh, we're going to see what Rory looks like at the Majors next year. It's going to show a long way about whether this new uh, new philosophy is, is one that's going to stick. Yeah, and I'd love to get inside the heads or be able to talk to some of the guys that voted for Rory for Player of the Year. You have to play at least 15 uh, events on the PGA Tour to have a vote. But, you know, what was their thinking in giving the win to Rory? Is it more important to them that you have that consistency over the entire year? Because they know how hard it is out there week in, week out to win. And maybe they saw Rory's 14 top 10s and thought, you know, with three wins on top of that, that's a very impressive year. I'm not sure. Was it a popularity contest a little bit? Don't know. Yeah, I mean, I do think the players look at week-to-week results more than the media and the fans do because they're out there. They realize how difficult it is, you know, to contend or win any week and to do it, to basically contend every week you tee it up, which is almost what what Rory did. They see how incredible that is. Like when you talk to them about who's who's the most impressive player out there for a number of years now, Dustin Johnson's name would be the first one out of their mouth. And he's only got one major, but he's got 20 wins and he's always, he's, he's just always contending and he's always there. So I do think they look at week to week play a little differently than than we do. And whether it's a personality contest, I mean, Rory is an easier guy to like for sure. Um, but I have to say, actually, when I've been talking to some players recently about the, the mental side of the game, to a man, they a lot of them bring up uh, Brooks Kepka as someone to aspire to, to somebody who can sort of just shut out everything else and and you know not crack under the game under the biggest moments. So they definitely respect Kepka, but you know whether they like him, who knows? Yeah, the, those might be two different things. I think one thing we can agree on though for sure is that it's been this is was a closer race than any other year in recent memory. You know? Yeah. No, I think it was. It it, it certainly was. Um. I again, it's it's about the major championships. I think should have been the tiebreaker, but uh, I guess I guess it wasn't. Yeah. Um, another thing, we have the season starting off again. It uh, seems like it just ended, but it started again at the Greenbrier. It's so weird for us to be talking about a new season up here in Canada because, of course, we're you know 
us golfers that are playing there, we're winding down our old seasons. I'll be thinking of a new PGA season is a little bit weird for me, but it is what it is. That's what they've decided to do. And we've got uh, eight Canadians going to be playing on the... It looks like it. We've got uh, so seven Canadians to start the year. Michael Gligic, a rookie, David Hearn, Nick Taylor, Mackenzie Hughes, Roger Sloan, Corey Connors, and Adam Hadwin. And then Hopefully, we're getting Graham Dillette back. He'll have a major medical exemption and uh, hopefully be back on tour you know, shortly. Now, you talked to all those guys recently, except for Graham, because he's still not 100%. But uh, any uh, interesting takeaways from their thoughts on the new season? Yeah, yeah. I, so, I talked to the seven other guys in the past week. And, uh, well, Nick Taylor, he was in Iceland. He went there uh, after the season ended. And he's the, he had the best result in uh, at the Greenbrier. So maybe you have to go to Iceland. To, <laughs> but no, he had, he had a good result. And he a lot of these guys, I do think, um, they're sort of – they are in their prime. Like if they're going to have – who Padraig Harrington was saying every player gets their 18 months. Their 18 months where if they were 100th in the world, they become 50th. If they're 50th to 20th, you know, 20th to 10, then if they're 10, they could become one. Every player gets his 18 months. And I was talking to these guys and I, I get the sense that I that it could be that time for a number of them. And Nick Taylor's one of them. He he seems happy. He actually finished 120th in the FedEx Cup. So almost, you know, nearly didn't keep his card. But he seems optimistic with where his game is. And he's always been a guy that plays uh, very well on difficult courses. Uh, that's why the U.S. Open, he qualified for that. He So he's not necessarily built for these 20-under shootouts, but he, he's happy with where his game is. And he showed this past week that his game's in pretty good form. I know he said in, in one of the pieces you wrote uh, that he was – Hasn't been happy with his weekends. Yeah, actually. So he said his, and I looked up the stats, his Sundays have been nothing like his first three rounds. Like his first three rounds, he's averaged between 69.5 and 70. Then come Sunday, I think it's like 71.3 or something like that. But then sure enough, after he says that his, one of his major goals this year is to have, uh, to have better Sundays. He went out and shot a 65 on Sunday. So that's right. You think he rocketed up like 35 places yeah. to get into tie for 24th. So that he has to be happy about that. Yeah, it's definitely a great start to the season for him. Um, Roger Sloan was another guy I talked to. I was very impressed by. He's a he's a very thoughtful thoughtful guy. Um, he talks a lot about the mental game and what he thinks he's built from that. He's coming off the best year of his career, and he had a great end to the season. Um, but him and his caddy, they seem to have a really good relationship, and I, I do think that uh, that he should be able to keep it going. And he's a, he's a guy that he has shown consistency and he is a guy that can go real low. So he's good in some of these shootout events where, you know, where it's going to take minus 20 to win. Right. Right. Do you think any of these guys can become, I mean, we've got a lot of single winners, Canadian single winners on the tour. Do you think any of them can be, who would you pick for most likely to become multiple winners? Yeah. Yeah. I think this, that's one thing we're looking at this year is we, sort of are almost expecting one of these guys yeah. to get their second win. I mean, Nick Taylor has a win. Mackenzie Hughes has a win. Hadwin and Connors, they all have wins, but you know, when's one of them going to break through? Um, I, I do think, well, I mean, Corey Connors to me would be the, the choice of a guy that has the most, the biggest chance to be a multiple winner, like five, six, seven, eight, nine wins because a, he's younger than like Hadwin would probably be the other choice. Yeah, but Connors is a little younger than Hadwin. Um, he was he finished the year first in greens and regulation and first in proximity to the hole. And I think he was eighth in strokes gained off the tee. So if you look at all those stats, it's, it's pretty obvious that he's one of the best ball strikers on tour. 
Um, and that's a great, that's a great base. Like that's, that's going to keep you in tournaments, um, you know, all year. And then you got to hope you get the hot putter and the weeks his putter's hot, he's going to contend. So I think, and also these, when you're in your late twenties, you're still working hard on your short game. Like all these young pros are. And if his short game comes around and his putting, I mean, obviously he's got everything else. So he would be my, sort of my pick if we were going to have a guy win multiple multiple five six seven wins out there well it'll be interesting to see if he can do it because it seems like we've been talking for quite a while now about the state of how good the state of canadian golf is about five years ago there was this swarm of new talent but unless you know unless somebody breaks away from the pack unless somebody becomes that multiple winner it's a bit of a disappointment maybe yeah, yeah, and I mean it's funny because I was just think, I was I'm saying that about Connors, but if I had to say a pick right now who has the most complete game, it's going to be Hadwin. Hadwin is, if I had to pick a guy to probably win, you know, in the next month or so, it, it'd probably be Adam because he's playing. He played really well at the end of last year, and he's a guy who has shown he can get the putt. He's also a great ball striker. That's the most consistent part of his game, and. But he has shown he can get the putter hot and keep it hot for a long time. He he went on a buddy's trip. He said he doesn't do it every year, maybe every few years. But he he looked up the score golf top hundred list and found some courses he hadn't played. I think, and they went out there and 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 relaxed out there. Mackenzie Hughes went to Italy with his family. He played uh, Hughes played last week, but he sort of he he put the clubs down for three weeks. Didn't pick up the clubs for three weeks. So he said he's sort of looking to play his way into shape. So it's sort of no surprise he didn't maybe have his best stuff. Right, right. It's funny how quickly guys will, you know, lose that edge, right? Just a couple of weeks without swinging and they feel weird. I know I've heard pros say that before. Yeah, I think it was Taylor actually told me that it is such a weird game how you can feel so full of confidence uh, one day and then the next day uh, you're out there and it, you can't seem to hit what you're looking at. So it, it's it's a funny game for recreational players and it's a funny game for the guys at the top of the game. Well, if the Canadians are going to win start winning this is a good time of the year to do it because if you look at the green buyer green briar which just finished last weekend mm-hmm. there was a couple guys top 25 yeah th- uh, yeah two guys in the top 25 and dechambeau was the highest ranked player there yeah so there's definitely um and a, a number of the guys said that they're looking to get off to to fast starts Corey connor's is he really wants to make the president's cup team as does adam hadwin Connors is going to play. Uh, he's going to play the next two weeks. Then he's going to take a couple off, and then he's planning to play uh, go over, go over to Asia, and then play in the WGC. He said he wants to put himself in the mix so that Captain Els Ernie Els uh, has a chance to see him, you know, against the, the top players. That's why he's concentrating on getting over there to Asia. Right. Well, you got to strike while the iron's hot, and it definitely is now because uh, there's. FedEx Cup points up for grabs, five hundred to win some of these tournaments that. Yeah. We talked about it before, uh, maybe off air, but I'm not sure that an event like the Green Briar should be worth the same amount of points as a tournament later in the year when more uh, top guys are playing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they make it, the tour wants, uh, they need these tournaments to be sure. worthwhile. So they're going to give it all the FedEx Cup points. And I think what what makes it almost okay is that none of the top players are filling up their fall schedule. So, I mean, if, you know, if Rory McIlroy was playing all fall, then he might have a giant lead in the FedEx Cup. But it really sort of looks like they'll pick their spots here and there. And and pretty much most of the guys that will be contending for the FedEx Cup at the end will start on a relatively even playing field in January. Right. Here's a just an interesting point. Uh, we know why the tour has done what they've done. They want to avoid the NFL. So they end 
the regular season ends in August yeah. because they want eyeballs. But then they start this new season in September. So uh, we're in week two of the NFL now, I believe. And, you know, there, there's these tournaments where there's not a lot of the top golfers playing. So you're not getting the viewers for those. Like you're going to lose it somewhere, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, every sports league right now in the modern media, they want to, you want to be relevant for almost the whole year if you can. I mean, the yeah. NFL is the perfect example. They only play for what, maybe five months and then you spend the other part of the year talking about the NFL. Right. So in that respect, I think they have put so many major events on the, from the PGA, you know, from March, April, May, June, July, you've got a, the players championship and a major each month. So I think that's sort of the real season. And then instead of just uh, talking about top hundred lists and drafts, golf fans actually get real golf for sort of their off season. So I, I kind of I think it's okay, and I think it, it's a way to keep the true golf fans are going to keep watching, and the casual fan knows that uh, once once March hits, you're going to get a steady dose of Top Golf for five months. That's true, and let's hope the Canadian boys can make the most of it. Yep, for sure. Callaway isn't just pushing the boundaries of driver technology; they're pushing ball speed further than humanly possible. The Epic Flash Driver with Flash Face technology features Callaway's first-ever driver face engineered with artificial intelligence. By harnessing this power, Callaway was able to create, test, and refine over 15,000 different faces to find the absolute fastest one. The way speed is created has been completely transformed. Learn more at callawaygolf.com AI. Before we get to our interview with Chloe Garner, the uh, women's long drive champ, there was another uh, women's golf moment this past weekend that's going to be remembered for a long time. Suzanne Pedersen with the walk-off, mic drop, career-ending, Solheim Cup-winning putt. It was, uh, it, it's an uh, interesting, a fantastic way to end your career and something you don't often get in sports and you don't often get in golf. No, it was, it was a nice way for her to go out. A bit of a surprise for everybody, I think. Although maybe not, we uh, heard her talking at the uh, Women's Canadian Open and she has played very little golf this uh, past season because she had, uh, had, a baby, had a baby. So she walked away from the game and she made this comment how uh, she said now that she's been away uh, from the game for a while, she can see how much of a bubble athletes live in. Yeah, It's like her whole life revolved around golf. And then she stepped away from it for a while and saw there was another life. And maybe she, you know, had kind of had one foot out of the door, out the door anyway. And and what a way to go out by dropping that putt. For sure. Yeah, she said that at the CP Women's Open. And um, it, it is very, uh, not very often in sports, especially golf. And you usually think of in golf when someone uh, retires, it's sort of, they're not at their peak. They're not winning tournaments. They're sort of playing one round and you hope they finish on a birdie or at least a par. But she she went out on top with the, with the big putt. So that was fantastic. She sure did. And overall, 121 top 10s, 15 wins, almost $15 million in prize money. It was a good career. Yeah, that's a fantastic career. And, and someone who is just had the biggest moment of their career was Chloe Garner. She's uh, from South Africa. She played her college golf in uh, in America, but she's moved recently moved back to South Africa. And last week she won the Women's Long Drive Championship. 
She hit the winning drive 347 yards with a swing speed of 118 miles per hour. Yeah. If people could see the look on my face right now, John. <laughs> and she's five foot six. I mean, it's just unbelievable how yeah. far they can smash the ball. It is. But she's uh, she's a bundle of energy and she's super, super fit, super strong, former CrossFit athlete. Training to be a weightlifter, perhaps wants to compete in that in the maybe the Commonwealth Games and the uh, women's long drive champ. So she's got a lot going on, and we're going to go to our interview with her. Uh, she is on the phone from South Africa. I want to welcome 2019 World Long Drive Champion Chloe Garner to the show. She's joining us on phone from South Africa. Chloe, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing well. So. First of all, I think I've watched the clip of you hitting 347-yard drive probably 10 times in the last two days. So first off the bat, how uh, how exciting was that and how does it feel to be the world champion? Um, Sure. Yeah, it's. I've been trying to, I think I've also watched that clip, you know, probably like a hundred times because I've been trying to relive that moment over and over. Yeah, it was a lot of anxiety and but ex- excitement at the same time. It's been, I mean, I think the best way to describe it is that it's honestly been life-changing for me to, to have done that and, and kind of the doors that it's opening me for me now in my career. And so yeah, it's been quite overwhelming. Yeah, and your reaction is, is awesome. And, and so is Phyllis. It seems like uh, she was, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say happy for you, but she looked, it looked like a genuine, you know, hug when she gave it to you. And you've ran into her a few times in some of these finals. Um, I guess, is it, was this the first time you've been able to beat her in a, in a final? Um, first time in, in the final of, of world championships. Um, I've come, I've beaten her in, in two other finals on, um, in some of the tour events. Um, so yeah, but I'm also, I mean, I'm so like happy that everyone got to see that side of Phyllis because she really is just this awesome friend and person and, and a player I respect very much. And, and that reaction of hers was, so true to who she is and kind of true to the culture of long drive like, is, you know when we're on the tee box we're competing against each other and we know that and but off you know we're very close friends and just just want each other to excel in the sport yeah i want to talk a bit about the culture of long drive because as i'm a a, a golf writer so i travel around and watch all these all these events and it seems like like nothing i've really ever witnessed before i, I guess i was thinking on the drive in the closest thing that sort of seems a bit like it is the first hole of the Ryder Cup in the morning when the crowd is is going wild. But how different is the culture of long drive from the culture of golf? Because you you obviously come from a background of golf at some point to be able to to play that well. Yeah, um, it's it's so. I think I've I've slowly been trying to take in the culture and, and figure out what it is as well because it, it really is new and interesting. Um, it's obviously, as you can see on TV, it's, you know, it's really like hype almost. It's like, um, they, the, the atmosphere that Golf Channel wants to create is almost like these fighting matches, you know, these like, like this MMA fight between these two golfers. And, um, and so it's, it's really exciting. And, um, you get just hit with this huge amount of adrenaline when you, when you, hit, when you get on stage. And so having the crowd there and the announcer there and the music playing, it just kind of feeds all together really nicely. And I think that's why, um, I think that's why a lot of us are so hooked and kind of addicted to it because it's this just huge adrenaline rush that's coming from, you know, the way Golf Channel set it up to the crowd, to the players. And yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, I've competed in a lot of different sports in my life at, at 
quite a, a like a national level, international level, and this is by far you know my favorite one that I've competed in. On that note, can you tell us a little bit what it's like to be in the long drive world? How much time you have to put into it? The psyche of the participants as well. Um, yeah. So the amount of time you have to put into it. Um, I, I would say it's you know similar to like a part time job. Um, there's a couple of hitters that I think are if not already full-time, slowly going full-time with it. But it, for most of us, it's kind of treated like a part-time job. And I'd say, you know, you do put about four to five hours of training in a day. Um, in terms of the, the psyche behind it, I think, um, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I think you really have to, it takes up a lot of my <laughs> mental capacity. Like it's it's very uh, draining on your mind, and and you think about it a lot, and you have to you have to be able to get into this. Um, I guess the zone is you know what what we are more familiar with it as, and and to get into that zone requires a lot of training and attention um, on and off the practice tee. And so, yeah, I mean it, it requires a lot of you. It's 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 definitely slowly creeping into my life more and more as it becomes more intense. You played collegiate golf as well, as John mentioned, and just curious, like how different is it preparation-wise, both physically and mentally, to be a collegiate or pro golfer going out and playing 18 holes or doing what you do? Um, so right off the bat, I would say um, in golf, you know, I always train to be very calm and slow in what I did. Um, if I started playing badly, I would immediately slow everything down, get my heart rate slowed down, slow down my thinking. Um, and long drives are absolute opposite. <laughs> it is get your heart rate as high as you can, get yourself as pumped as possible, listening to Metallica before I go on the tee box. <laughs> um, so it's like a very, yeah, a very um, contradicting realms in, uh, in the golfing realm. Um, and so... Yeah, that's very different. And also, I mean, I just enjoy just having to worry about hitting one club when I practice. So it's, it's nice just to, just to focus on that one club. It lets me only hit for like two hours a day and I'm, I'm good instead of, you know, practicing however many other clubs. Um, and yeah, you know, golf is a long endurance day and long drive is very short bursts of, of extreme energy and force. So yeah, it's very like slow versus long. Two sports, yeah. Speaking of clubs, uh, you you hit like a five or six degree Callaway you're playing with. That's what your driver you use. So I was going to say, just before World Champs, I ended up going up a few degrees. So that was just a recent switch as well. Hmm. Can you give us an idea of just how difficult? I mean, most of us are playing with ten degree or ten and a half degrees. Can you give us an idea of just how difficult it would be to hit a five degree driver? You know, over three hundred yards. <laughs> um, so I think the the biggest change, so again, looking at my conventional golf versus my long drive, um, was when I came in with my conventional golf swing, my attack angle was very negative. Um, and that's because that's, that's kind of a swing that we can carry over into all of our clubs. You see it in our irons. Um, and in the long drive, to increase, you know, your just increase overall distance, you want to have a very positive attack angle. So your hips are coming through, you know, really far ahead, getting right behind the ball. And so because of that, then the lower degrees become easier to hit. But mm -hmm. then, you know, it's a whole technical, I mean, then we're talking, you know, technical changes in the swing to be able to do that. 
Yeah, and the club's longer too, which seems like it makes it a lot more difficult to hit it. You would think in the sweet spot. I mean, for recreational golfers, every time things aren't going well, you sort of choke up on it an inch or two and think you can make better contact. But mm. how much longer than uh, standard is your driver? So I'm at 48, so I think it's what two inches longer. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a uncomfortable club at first, but you know, just like all of our clubs, you just you have to learn the timing of it. So it was just learning how to set the club properly at the top. You just wait a little bit extra. Um, and so then just slowly kind of retraining my body to memorize that rhythm and, and that timing of a swing. And then it became quite comfortable. Um, and then also the, the shafts that we have, we, a lot of us hit with Patterson. Um, and it's, it's an amazing shaft. It has this, um, I mean, he has two. Some guys just use a single flex one, and then there's an or single kick point, and there's another shaft that has a double kick point. Hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, you can just feel it set and just whip through. It's it's such an amazing shaft, yeah. Wow. And you talked about the the culture difference, you know, getting pumped up and uh, listening to Metallica. But when you when you, <laughs> we watch you out there, it seems like it's like perfectly built for your personality. Is that is that is the Chloe Garner more like that than than the one that had to sort of bring everything down on the golf course or or is this sort of just the mood you get yourself into for long drive? <laughs> um, I definitely prefer to be in that hype um, state of mind. So that's probably why I've taken to long drive so much more than conventional golf. Um, no, I'm, I am like a high energy, um, you know, kind of contact sport <laughs> a, a kind of athlete. Um, and I always got frustrated with golf because it was, you know, I was like, I have all this energy and it's such a slow sport. But Did you ever get physical on the golf course? Just say that's enough of it. I've had it. <laughs> no, luckily not. <laughs> no, there would have been big consequences. So, yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, definitely was a sport that was contradictory to who I was. And long drives was like beautiful relationship between that energy that I love to show in sport and then also the skill that I've just developed for golf over the years. Yeah, well, I was also, so I was thinking that watching, like I watch the men's long drive and I can't even um, comprehend exactly what they're doing because they're like three, <laughs> three times, they're three times the size of me and they're hitting it 400 and something yards. But I, so I look at you out there and I think like aside from, you know, the, the, your workouts, your strength, probably your nutrition and how much uh, work you put into it. We're sort of other than that. Well, I guess what I'm saying is we're almost the same height. So how can I hit the ball a, a little bit further? So I think the um, the I think the signature move in in long drive is to is to drop into the squat and then press out of that squat, which creates this hmm. this ground force, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so, but to to like kind of. To let yourself just be vulnerable to that swing, it's quite a thing. It's a very like, I mean, it almost feels out of control. Again, like comparing to a conventional golf swing, like you're very slow, in control, kind of the more compact the swing, the better. Long drive is the complete opposite. It's like, let's make the swing as big and like as crazy as we can mm-hmm. and and just and just drop into it and, and get out of this, get out of the squat and press with our legs. But I think to like simplify that, I would say, and this is a cue I gave my dad that he he took to quite nicely. But okay. just thinking of that more positive attack angle. So already, if you know, if you were standing over the ball and in your mind you were being mindful about, I want to come at this ball with a positive attack angle. Already, the body's going to start making small changes to get you there, and you'll 
and then from there, you know, you can slowly build. Um, and mm-hmm. the ideal thing would be to go, you know, get maybe go one time to your simulator and, and, and have your attack angle checked. Um, I wouldn't say it has to be as, as severe as what a long drive, long drivers is, but I think if you getting the positive attack angle, your hips are working correctly with your shoulders and then the ball's also going to come out at, at a nice trajectory to carry it a little bit longer. Yeah, and okay, and when you started, like who got you involved? What who made you think that this is possibly something you could do? And when you played golf collegiately, were you uh longer than all your teammates and competitors uh, when you played that kind of golf? Yeah, um so yeah, so when I was a collegiate player, I actually was, funnily enough. I I played 3 out of my 4 years. I, I didn't even use the driver. I just hit a 3 wood. And um there was I don't actually I think there was one girl that hit as far as me once, but otherwise, you know, I hit further than everyone which was quite a, a strange thing for me. And um, then after college golf, I I hung up my clubs for three years. I didn't touch them. And I got heavily wow. into competing in CrossFit and started competing in that and um, got quite quite good at that. And then because of that, I had developed, you know, increase in muscle mass. Um, and so I thought, you know, I was already hitting it far. I'm, I'm a little bit stronger now. Let's see, let's see what's out there. Um, but at the time, there was not much information out on long drive because it was still kind of golf channel. I hadn't picked him up yet or anything. Um, and coincidentally, I landed up at a pro-am for a long drive event and all these long drive guys are there. And my coach, my now coach, I met there, um, Bobby Peterson and, and I met him there. And, the, you know, the guys were like, Bobby, you got to, you got to check her out. And he invited me out to his farm in North Carolina and it was about five hours away, drove out there and, put me up on the simulator and he you know said up front that you know I'm going to tell you the truth I'm going to tell you if you're fast enough and if you can do it and I'm going to tell you if you're not fast enough and you just you know need to forget about it and so yeah, we did two days of training and he liked my swing speed and just kind of taken off from there a few event wins happened and yeah it's just kept snowballing how important is it to be in really top physical shape like are all the athletes like yourself, or do you have a John Daly type showing up with the big belly and stuff? Can they compete in this? <laughs> um, so, yeah, interesting enough. Um, so, mass mass produces force. So, the greater your mass, the greater force you can produce. So, a lot of bigger athletes could excel in the sport because their mass will produce greater force. Um, the problem is that you do get to a size where there's going to be a point of diminishing returns where you keep getting bigger, you're not going to necessarily get faster, you're going to start getting slower. So, and I think um, if you have an approach, I mean, I think if you have the choice of two approaches of, you know, choosing to be a bigger athlete, there's, there's pros and cons of that, but if, if you choose a healthier lifestyle, I mean, I, I think the benefits are not only for your body, but also for your mind and for how your brain functions. And that's, that's huge in just everyday life. What about not big and not healthy uh, <laughs> lifestyle? Is that going to hurt me? <laughs> I mean, it depends how deep you want to go here. We can, <laughs> we can really delve into it. I just need five more yards. Just five more yards. Just five more yards. <laughs> I mean, no, we can probably figure that out pretty quickly pretty quickly you know a lot of people don't know that much about the sport it seems quirky to people are there a lot of quirky personalities involved and can you share any stories with us some funny stories <laughs> i mean the personalities are outrageous on that tour it's, it's ridiculous and <laughs> i get to train with a lot of the guys and they are <laughs> they are 
way more outrageous than the women for sure. Um, some stories, God, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> um, but I will. I mean, this is kind of this is. So we uh, we did um, before quarterfinals at World Champs this year. Myself and Phyllis and Alexis and Troy, um, or other other long hitter, long drive hitters. Um, we were standing there lining up, waiting to go out on TV. And Troy, you know, turns to us and she was like, you know, let's put a dollar down for longest drive between the four of us. <laughs> and so we went out there and, and uh, yeah, the four of us hit. And Phyllis ended up winning the dollar for the longest drive. So we all <laughs> went and grabbed the dollar, signed our names on it so she couldn't use it and gave it to her. Um, and then the next night, it was semifinals and it was the four of us again. So same four. And we said, same thing, you know, let's go. Longest drive wins wins a dollar. And um and so, so I won it that night, and they all sent me some. They all sent me a well. They Venmoed me a dollar, <laughs> and uh, Troy Venmoed it, saying, um, "Well, I'll try not to be too vulgar, but she said this is for the female dog hitting a three forty-seven. But she ended up sending it to the wrong number. So some random person got this dollar for this kind of <laughs> crude message, and we, I mean, we were like, you know, we were just dying about it. But it also shows the camaraderie that we have that amongst the all the craziness we were still you know friendly enough to be like let's put a dollar on this on the side and i thought that was really cool mm-hmm. and you so about a year, year ago you moved back to south africa you had been living in the states was that just uh you'd you'd learned the trade and everything you need in the states and now it's sort of getting back home or what went into that thought um yeah i actually just i just got really homesick like it just hit me really hard and i realized that I was kind of at a point in my life where I had to make the choice of staying in America and that would probably be it for the rest of my life or it was come back to South Africa and this would be home for the rest of my life. So, yeah, I just, I'm such a huge fan of my country and it's absolutely beautiful and, and my family's here. And so, yeah, so I made the big move to come back here. Um, actually, knowing full and well, it would probably mean I wasn't going to compete in long drive again. But, yeah, fortune went my way. Mm-hmm. And there's a, obviously a rich history of golf in South Africa. Did you hear from any? Did you, did you who did you hear from after you won? Did you get a lot of nice text messages from people? Any any unexpected ones? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I wish the support in South Africa is pretty pretty low. Like not a lot of people know about it at all. So we've been trying to get word out through radio stations and and just all the different media outlets just to let South Africa know like hey you know we had a world title that was just won and let's celebrate it um and so no I haven't there's so many golfers I'd love to make contact with to see how we could you know work together on things um but yeah and so those are hopefully doors that are going to open now for me that's kind of the hopeful future is is there a stop in South Africa do they have an event there they have a, a qualifier here. They don't have a TV event here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they do have a qualifier. We had a guy that, that qualified and was over there this year. Um, but no TV event here yet. So what's next for Chloe? I, I know that uh, I know you have other interests and even even other sort of sporting interests. So you've reached the top of the mountain in long drive. What are you, what's, what are you working on now? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess now to just chase down the records that have been set and, and try set new records, um, new world record for, for the distance and number of titles and yeah, all about setting high goals. So I'm excited to, to keep pushing from here, but I think it's definitely, you know, the higher you get on the mountain, the harder it becomes. 
So kind of bracing myself for a even higher year of training and preparation, especially men's preparation. And but yeah, let's just keep it up. <laughs> just curious, what kind of um, <clears throat> shelf life do most long drivers have? Because it must be really bad on the lower back. Oh, you know, yeah, I'm interested to find that out myself. Um, I mean, we haven't lost a lot of guys or girls to injuries, um, but also I don't believe long drivers have been training the amounts that long drivers are now training because it's the first time there's um, so much re- reward involved. So people are training harder, training longer. Um, so I think it's, you know... I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I know personally for me, it's it's quite it's quite harsh on my body. It's it's a very explosive movement, and obviously, as you guys know, you know it's one plane rotational, and yeah, so there's a lot going on. So I think um, again, that's where training on the side is really important to and to train not just for strength, but also for injury prevention. So getting a lot of your muscles and your stabilizing muscles strong, so that they can withstand the forces that you're applying to them. So I mean, the training on the side, really, the relationship that the two play are quite quite integrated. Yeah, and I guess so when you're not long driving, you, you relax in the rest of your life. It's not like you're out there weightlifting or anything, is it? For those of you that don't know, Chloe is actually also training in weightlifting and hopes to perhaps make it to the Commonwealth Games or something. But maybe she can tell us a bit about her weightlifting uh, passion. Yeah, so... <laughs> So I guess that started with CrossFit. Um, yeah, I learned of weightlifting through CrossFit um, and then kind of reached a point in CrossFit where it was just a little bit too much training, um, but it was, I had fallen in love with, with the sport of weightlifting. Um, and yeah, you know, my numbers are competitive. And so and I decided to <laughs> do what I do with all my sports and set a goal of how far I can push it. Um, so yeah, I've set that, set that goal. Um, I will say though that the, the travel this year has been pretty tough on, on the training because it, it interrupted a lot, but yeah, it, it was a good journey year to see how I'm going to navigate my way through that. Mm-hmm. And we see, we saw that you have a lot of tattoos. Um, are, any new ones? You're getting any 2019 world champion tattoo perhaps? <laughs> no, I mean, I will, I will. I, I just, the design hasn't come to me yet. I might have to take some friends' opinions as well, but. Um, the first thing one of the interviewers asked me afterwards was, what tattoo are you getting? And I hadn't even thought about it. And I said, that's a great idea. I'm definitely going to get one. So I'll, you know, definitely let the world know <laughs> once the 2019 tattoo has been added. Yeah, no, that's great. and That's great. I think we'll actually leave it there. I mean, Phyllis might have won the dollar, but you won the uh, world championship. So uh, we're really happy to have you on here. And I wish you luck in everything you're doing in the future, and we'll uh, we'll all be watching. Cool. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. All right. Bye. We want to thank our guest, Chloe Garner, and we'll certainly be watching to see uh, what's next for her. For The Forecast, I'm John McCarthy. You can follow me at Twitter at at John McCarthy Sun. And I'm Dave Hilson at Dave underscore Hilson for Twitter. And we'll be back with another episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>